This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, hey, another episode of Bonfire is on right now. Here is Andrew Herzog here to kind of lead you through the way, through the, the Bonfire way here on the Blaze Radio Network. Bonfire is here to talk about culture, travel, food, entertainment, <laughs> food, always food, except not really. I haven't gotten there yet. You know, I will. One thing at a time. So for today, for this week, I found something that kind of eh, kind of upset me a little bit. There's an article on Fortune Magazine, so fortune.com, why we should be less innovative or at least less obsessive about it. Okay. There is an article that expands on that, and it's by Lee Vinsel and Andrew Russell. Okay. They call it Hail the Maintainers. Capitalism excels at innovation but is failing at maintenance, and for most lives, it is maintenance that matters more. Okay. Well, this, uh, you know, substantial essay. It's not, not too long, but it's not too short either. I read it all. And it was posted a week or two ago. Basically, they're saying here, innovation is a dirty word. You know, it's not a, it's not a good word like love and fraternity. Let me, let me just read from the article here what they have to say about it. Entire societies have come to talk about innovation as if it were an inherently desirable value like love, fraternity, courage, beauty, dignity, or responsibility. Innovation speak worships at the altar of change, but it rarely asks who benefits, to what end. A focus on maintenance provides opportunities to ask questions about what we really want out of technologies. What do we really care about? What kind of society do we want to live in? Will this help get us there? We must shift the means, including the technologies that underpin our everyday actions, to ends, including the many kinds of social beneficence and improvement that technology can offer. Our increasingly unequal and fearful world would be grateful. That is the final paragraph of their essay. And from what I gathered, Lee and Andrew here say, yes, the title, Hail the Maintainers. Innovation is a dirty word. And we should re-shift our focus to different things. They're saying innovation is not fruitless, but it's, it's shallow. What does it really mean? And it's been a buzzword, you know, since the 70s, since the 80s. You know, Silicon Valley has become synonymous with innovation. And what has that gotten us? They're, they're saying, you know, not a whole lot. That word has been overused, and it's not an inherently good word like love, friendship, courage. It's a tool. It's just a word. So let's shift our focus back to what is more important in society, the people who maintain what we already have. Okay, they also say, well, look, let's not shift too quickly, you know, from essentially demonizing the word innovation and just going all gung-ho for maintenance. We need to have a balanced approach. We need to think to ourselves, well, what innovation, whenever you said that word, what were you getting at? How does that benefit the world? How would that benefit another person? And maintenance, we have to say the same thing. Well, maintaining, what were we maintaining? How, how would that be beneficial? to humanity. Okay. What really got my blood flowing, got me all in a frenzy, 
was they they don't really like the word innovation. Well, I hate to tell you, Lee, Andrew, and you know this. You know you do. Innovation is has gotten us to where we are today. Otherwise, we'd still be out on the farm with horse and buggies and doing that kind of crap. Innovation from the few people in the world that were like, oh, I have an idea, and actually pursued it to some degree, has given us what we already have today. Cars, transportation, loads of food. We hear all the time people are starving. You know, like, one of three children go to bed hungry. Really? Why are there so many fat people in America then, huh? Why is the obesity rate always trumped up? It's, you're either fat or you're starving. What is it? We can't have a society that has both, right? So, innovation is a good thing. Okay. Their example, now let me find this real quick. It's at the end of the article, and it was, I thought, a pretty weak example. Okay. Innovation. The term is completely agnostic about whether these things and practices are good. Crack cocaine, for example, was a highly innovative product in the 1980s, which involved a great deal of entrepreneurship called dealing and generated lots of revenue. Innovation! Entrepreneurship! Perhaps this point is cynical, but it draws our attention to a perverse reality. Contemporary discourse treats innovation as a positive value in itself when it is not. What the hell are you talking about? Your excuse to bash innovation is to say crack cocaine. Okay. <laughs> it's it's like saying, you know, snorting. It's like snorting. You know, people treat that as a good word, like you're snorting oxygen in order to live. Well, you can just snort crack cocaine. You can just snort sugar. It's like, oh, what? Innovation, yes, isn't a good or bad word. It's just a word. Don't get your tizzy all freaked out here. Generally... And yes, there is an argument that you could make. It's been overused. It's a buzzword that's been around for too long, and you're thinking, okay. That's cliche to say. Okay? There's an argument for that. If you titled your article saying, Hail the Maintainers, why the word innovation is overused. Why it's cliche. Something like that. I'd say, okay. I, I, can get, I, I know what they're getting at. They think it's overused. And too many people are saying it, and they're just full of it, and not actually producing anything, and they're just getting away with trying to sound, you know, uh, advanced and important. But you're not. You use that stupid excuse of crack cocaine, <laughs> that is, which is funny to me. But you're, you're, you're trying to make a serious argument here, and you use that. That was weird to me. And they say, hail the maintainers. So basically they're saying most of society is focused on upkeep. And they seem to hail that. They say we don't need to go overboard and... You know, hero-worship the maintainers, like we're hero-worshiping the innovators in today's society. Okay. But, yes, a lot of society is about upkeep. But it's exactly what innovation hopes to beat. So we don't have to do upkeep. Do you really think there are people out there who want to pick up my trash? Who want to come to the front of my house and pick it up? That's called upkeep. Yeah, but I don't think they want to do that if there was a better job. Nobody grows up and thinks to themselves, hmm, I can't wait to be a garbage man. I can't wait to go pick up that crap. They don't do that. Innovation would be like, you know what? Why don't we get a stupid computer to drive the truck around and pick up other people's crap and then put it in and then take it to the dump? Or hell, shoot it into space. I don't care what you do with it. Put it somewhere. Have some systems in line. Organization. Processes. Come on. That's what innovation does. Thinking of better ways to do things. Yes, Currently, we have cars that run on oil, gas, and you go to the gas station and you fill it up. Okay. 
people can innovate and say, well, why don't we try a solar-powered one? Okay. Why don't we try a hydrogen-powered one? Okay. Why don't we try a battery-powered like Tesla? Okay. All innovations, all people thinking, huh, what is a different way to do it? What is a better, more efficient way to do it? And obviously, yes, to some degree, people are thinking, wow, I can make a lot of money off of this. So what? So what if they do? doesn't mean a damn thing. Because ultimately, people like me are going to see that and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want to sell me a battery-powered car for $2,000? Okay, I'll buy. Of course, that sounds ridiculous, but... That's how our economy works. Innovators are constantly trying to think, hmm, what's a new way we could do this for cheaper to get more people to do it? And yes, there is a profit mindset there. But if you make a lot of profit, that probably means you had a lot of customers. Or you served one very well, and he just keeps coming back for more. Whatever. That's how things should be. It shouldn't just be upkeep. Well, we need to have jobs. There need to be jobs in America, so we need to keep the garbage men. Okay. Another article recently, and I think we've all seen this, tellers are becoming more and more of a scarcity in banks. I go to the bank now. I don't talk to a teller. I walk through the front door, and I go to the little ATM. It's essentially what it is. It's a more or less advanced ATM, like the ones you see on a street corner. But it's inside. And you think to yourself, yeah, you know what? I don't need a teller. I don't need to say, hey, good morning. I'd like to oh, uh, take something out of my checking. Okay, thank you. And sign here. Okay, thank you. No, just have a computer do it. Have a stupid little station do that for you. Why? Because the bank doesn't have to hire out someone now to go stand in that window and it costs them money. Sure, that bank teller lost his job, but now he can go find work elsewhere. There's always more work to do. And that is an argument that they say here in this article. is like, hey, work is good. There's always going to be work. You can't try to innovate something out of existence and then it's gone forever. Okay, sure. I could agree with that to a degree. There's always going to be stuff to do, and work is good. People need things to do. But there's a difference for working for other people, working just to keep yourself busy, working because you want to go above and beyond, and then working because you have to, because your life depends on it. I'm not working on the farm because my life doesn't depend on it. I'd be terrible on the farm. I'd be getting headaches all the time. I do not have a green thumb. I'd probably have a black thumb. I'd probably kill everything I tried to grow. I'd be a terrible farmer. You know? I'd rather just go go cow tipping than actually try to milk the cow. I'd say, well, shoot, this sucks. I'm not a very good farmer. That's why I don't do it! Okay? So for them, Lee and Andrew here, to say, let's shift the focus back to the back to humanity, back to the good. Okay, okay, all right. Get off your high horse. There is room for both. Innovation and maintenance are not mutually exclusive. Okay, It's like personality types. I would consider myself someone more of an innovator. I have lots of ideas. My personal problem is actually following through on them. And then once they're maybe in this, the ethos and now they're actually there's something there to work with, it's actually keeping it up, which is what they're saying here, maintaining what's already there. That's my problem. I hate doing that. I don't find satisfaction in doing that my attention is quickly diverted away to something else and i think oh, okay moving on to the next thing so my problem is being like the innovator that they seem to bash like hey you just have lots of ideas and you're always trying to come up with new things and make more money and do all this other crap and then you can't even maintain what you already have okay well that's why there are other people who come in 
and say, hey, I maintain things. I'm here for that. You need both. You need the maintainers and the innovators. Not one or the other. One is not better than the other. You need both. You need the people who can keep what we currently have, yes, which would be the uh, gas cars, the internal combustion engine. We need people who can still work on those, who can still make those, who can still pump out the cars, and who can still let us drive them. Because that's currently where we are right now. But you need the idiots who are going to go sit at home and go, "Uh, I'm going to come up with a new way to do this. And he does, maybe one day, and then it still affects all of society. Because now we say, great, we now have flying hydrogen-powered cars. And because of people like Lee and Andrew who were bitching about that kind of guy, he wouldn't have done anything. Come on. Sorry. Now, you know, this was <laughs> this is supposed to be a happy podcast. This is supposed to be talking about entertainment, culture in a good way, positive stories, okay? So there was my two cents worth on this article that I found on Fortune magazine. Why we should be less innovative, or at least less obsessive about it. Okay, sure. We could be less obsessive about it. It is a catchphrase. It is cliche. It is old, okay? But don't knock it. Okay, it has gotten us to where we are today, and I still want those people around to make our lives even better in the future. Okay, because it would benefit society. Can you imagine a hydrogen-powered engine, and then you distributed that all over Africa in third-world countries, and now they can actually power entire, oh, I don't know, houses, towns, cities. They could actually have running water, toilets, refrigerators, and then they could actually have some sort of human dignity along with the rest of us. Yes, that is what an innovator could do. But for you to bitch and say, no, we need to maintain what we currently have. We don't need to put in- – innovation is just a fluff word. Okay. You, if you, unless you have specific examples saying that company overused the word and they were full of it. Okay. That is one example, buddy. Do not demonize the word itself, okay? It's not a dirty word. It's not a good word either. It's just a word. Stupid. There's another word for you. Stupid. Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. That's enough of that. Going to move on to something that <laughs> actually is not all that happy either, but I thought it was funny. So here we go. Sharing it next. This is the Bonfire on Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this uh, this company, He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to the show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust dot com. This is the bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, so as I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, I see an article that uh, captured my attention, (laughs) needless to say, from USA Today and plenty of other sources, but this one in particular. USA Today, quote-unquote, scarier than we initially thought. CDC sounds warning on Zika virus. (laughs) Oh, God, okay. That, I was like, okay, I have to click on this. What the hell is going on now? 
for the CDC to, quote, scarier than we initially thought. That I do not want to hear that from the CDC, okay? You can hear that from your neighbor, from your coworker, your parents, from your boss, maybe even the president of the United States. You'd say, okay, well, the president has a lot on his plate. I guess you can't keep up with everything the CDC is doing. But when, okay, what is his name? Let me see where this guy is. Uh, okay, the principal deputy director of the CDC, Dr. Ann Shuchat. Shuchat, sure. She says, most of what we've learned is not reassuring. Everything we look at with this virus seems to be a bit scarier than we initially thought. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> That's bad news. You couldn't have put it a little more bluntly, could you? <laughs> uh, things are looking good. This is looking pretty scary. Ugh. Fear the walking dead. Jeez. From the article. As summer approaches, officials are warning that mosquito eradication efforts, lab tests, and vaccine research may not be able to catch up. There are 346 cases of Zika confirmed in the continental United States, all in people who had recently traveled to Zika-prone countries, according to the most recent CDC report. Of those, 32 were pregnant women and 7 were sexually transmitted. Oh, great. So, you can get it now also through STDs. And guess what? Fact is, people in the world are having sex. So, great. Another way to transmit the virus. And let's see what they say here. Mm, let's see. Down the road, we'll find a vaccine. Yes, of course you will. Zika has been known to exist since 1947, but was long considered to be a minor disease that caused only mild illness. Oh, that sounds, that sounds cute. You know, no big deal. Last year, uh, Zika was linked to a dramatic increase in microcephalopathy. <laughs> Whatever. A birth defect in which babies are born with abnormally small heads. Okay. We've all known that angle. We've all heard that before. But I started reading. And I thought, okay. I haven't heard this before. This does sound pretty bad. What the hell? <laughs> Doctors have known for years that Zika virus is associated with Julian Barr syndrome, in which the body attacks its own nerves, causing paralysis. Great! Oh, that's such good news. But a study released Monday also links Zika to a second autoimmune disorder <laughs> called acute disseminated encephalitis. It resembles multiple sclerosis and involves a swelling of the brain and spinal cord. New studies also show that the Zika virus appears to hone in on brain cells and kill them. Holy hell! You got so much crap now that the Zika could be linked to or is linked to? Wow. Thank you. So apparently now we're going to set aside... 1.9 billion dollars to try to fight it and there are a couple graphs here in the u.s or on usa today and it says how zika virus spreads it is spread by the bite of the 80s egyptian mosquito and possibly the 80s albopictus okay where the mosquitoes can be found and it's basically all in the south and it kind of reaches a bit north and one of the mosquitoes actually goes all the way up to new york so basically half the u.s and eh, maybe two-thirds or where the mosquitoes can be found. Great! So as the summer is approaching, and it gets warmer, more humid, and these mosquitoes already exist in half, two-thirds of the country, and people are still having sex, and doctors have apparently known about these autoimmune disorders already, but now Zika is also being linked to brain abnormalities in the sizes of babies' heads. Uh, this sounds like a good summer. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so assured when the deputy... Principal Deputy Director of the CDC says, Everything we 
look at what this virus seems to be a bit scarier than we initially thought. Oh, shoot. Wow. Sounds like it might be getting worse. Thank you. I feel so confident with you guys in charge now. Jeez. People. I mean, seriously. Like I said, if it was the president that said that, your coworker, your parents, you're like, okay, look, it's you're, you live a normal life. Or you have other priorities. You have other things on your plate. I don't expect you to know the crap out of this disease. Okay, but the CDC, you have one job! The Center for Disease Control. <gasps> Sounds like it's starting to spin out of your control. That sucks, okay? We all had the Ebola scare a little while ago, and that was also pretty crazy, too. You're thinking, like, wow, this is spiraling out of control. Who the hell's in charge? What is going on? Luckily, thank God, nothing happened seriously here in the United States. Of course, it was tragic in Africa, and it seems that they've finally kind of gotten a hold of it and said, oof, okay, ugh, that could have really gone bad and killed the entire continent. But, you know, I'm not trying to minimize the deaths that were there. There were thousands of deaths, which is horrible. So let's get back to the innovation, you know. Let's get the innovation going where we can maybe prevent these diseases. Or have some competent people in the CDC who know, ooh, I don't know, I didn't know it was this bad. Ugh. So, hopefully, nothing too serious happens this summer with the virus. Hopefully, people... Generally avoid the mosquitoes. They get their bug spray, keep them at bay, and make smart decisions not to, I don't know, jump into a uh, a still lake, you know, with still water. What's it called? Static water. Yeah, I forget the term. Basically not running water. That's not where you want to jump into. And if you do, that is your damn fault. But we do live in a society, so that stupid decision can come back to bite us. <gasps> uh, pun. Because... Stupid actions of other people could, uh, down the road, reach you. Some idiot gets bitten by it, and then he's kind of leading the mosquitoes back to you, and you can get bit too. Or if you're sleeping with him, whatever. General rule of thumb, don't sleep with someone who has the Zika virus. You know, maybe maybe that's what we should do. Oh, Lord have mercy. All right, let's now seriously turn the topics to something more enjoyable. Not so depressing or infuriating. Let's do that. Uh, let's do that next. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. The Zika virus? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, more common than thought for sexual transmission. Oh, boy. It's a little frightening. No, uh, oh How many times do you have it so far? <laughs> it's a little frightening. I'm a little scared to get tested, so I haven't been tested. Oh, okay. So. Well, I mean, is it? Is so, there any- no, Stu. I'm not aware that I have Zika. You have a very delicate balance going on. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, here's something that I found from Nat Geo. Good old Nat Geo. Four ways long-term travel could change your life. Okay. Candace Rarden spent years circling the globe. Here she shares four ways long-term travel transformed her for the better. Ah, so sweet. Lesson number one, embrace the unexpected detour. Okay. She basically says, look, when you're traveling, you learn to expect crap is going to happen. You know, transportation breaks down. Flights are canceled. You get lost. Plans go out the window. That's how it works. You may have the best laid plans, but inevitably, something will break down. So when it does, how are you going to adapt? What are you going to do about it? She just says, hey, I learned to expect the unexpected. 
and that when stuff like that did happen, I rolled with it. And inevitably, things still turned out fine. And sometimes they even turned out better. Here she says, uh, whatever. Also, these lead to the unexpected things and often more rewarding outcomes. This woman in Marrakech, Marrakech, who, when I asked her for directions, invited me into her home for coffee. That sounds nice. You get lost, and you're thinking to yourself, shoot, well, now I'm screwed. You just walk over, and you're like, hey, um, kind of need some help. She says, oh, hey, come on in. Oh, you want some coffee? <laughs> I'd say, whoa, yeah, I do. Absolutely. That'd be a great experience, a great you know, memory of your life to say, yeah, when I was traveling abroad, when I did this, this great local woman just invited me in for coffee. It was so awesome. <laughs> That's really sweet of her. That's great. That is a good little story. So basically she says, look, go with the flow. Don't expect anything to go according to plan. And then you'll be much happier because then you can roll with it. Things still turn out fine. And sometimes they even turn out better than expected. So calm down. Now, number two, here's what she says. Seek out and celebrate diversity. Okay, that sounds pretty cheesy to me. But ultimately, <laughs> celebrate diversity. She's getting at variety, okay? You know, experiencing all the different cultures, religions, ethnicities, and things in the world, okay? There are billions of people here. Of course, there's lots of things to experience. So she says, I lived in London. I've traveled to New Zealand. I went to all these other places. I traveled around Europe for years. I think she was traveling for like seven years, and now she's finally settling down in San Francisco. Um, you know, she says, when I was traveling abroad in Europe, I plunged headlong into a thrilling array of rituals, norms, and worldviews. I celebrated Diwali. I stayed with Muslim families in Turkey and Bosnia, and I sipped green tea with Buddhist monks in Japan. Okay. That sounds pretty cool, actually. A little bit of green tea with some Buddhist monks. That sounds unique. That sounds fun. That's a good life memory. Okay. So her point, traveling makes you seek out and have fun with different things. Get out of your comfort zone. See the world that's it, that is out there. You know, we all have a tendency that wherever we are, to just get wrapped up in it. And of course we do. It's only natural. But she's saying, hey, don't forget, there's other people and other things out there, and they're great. So go check them out. It's fun. It's worth it. Lesson number three, live every day with an open heart. Okay. She's saying, you know what? This isn't always the case at home, where it's easy to put the run in running errands, closing yourself off behind the harried freneticism of the to-do list. Freneticism. There it is. But now that I'm home, more often than I'm away, I've traveled to hold on to this insatiable curious part of me that searches for a connection when I'm traveling. So she's saying, basically, be open to the people in your life, you know, even the strangers. Because when you're traveling, some people don't think twice about talking to strangers, you know. Like she said, hey, I just asked this lady for directions, and she helped me out, and it turned out to be a great experience. Okay. Sure, there's a bit of common sense, you know, talking to random people on the other side of the world. But her heart is in the right place. You know what she's getting at. She's saying, hey, don't close yourself off. Don't just pop your earbuds in and mind your business. There's a time and a place for that. I enjoy doing that. I enjoyed doing that when I was traveling. But then I also was excited to talk to the locals and say, hey, where's a great place to go eat? And then when I went there, I would talk to the locals. I'd go find a cigar lounge and I'd go talk with the locals while I sat there with my cigar and my coffee. Okay. So, have a balance. Enjoy your alone time, travel, travel with friends, talk to the locals, be open, have a good time. You know, we're still people. Don't just be so glued to your phone that you don't see the people around you. Lesson number four. Great risks lead to great rewards. So, 
Whether it's moving to another country for the first time or embarking on the round-the-world trip, every adventure begins with a leap of faith into the unknown. But the risks don't end when we return home, in our professional pursuits and personal relationships alike. We're regularly called to journey beyond our comfort zones. I now find myself a little more willing to jump in life, just as I did while I was exploring the globe. So, when she was exploring, she was more easily able to take risks, to wrap her mind around them, and then do them, to get out of her comfort zone and give things a shot. Okay. Four ways that long-term travel can change your life, okay? So not a weekend trip to uh, Jersey. Mm, nope, that doesn't count. No offense, Jersey. Long-term travel for weeks, months, years at a time, whatever floats your boat. Embrace the unexpected detour. Seek out and celebrate diversity. Basically, enjoy variety. Variety is the spice of life. Live every day with an open heart. And great risks lead to great rewards. Okay. Overall, I would tend to agree here with Candace. I do like to travel. I got to spend four months living in Europe when I was in college, and it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world, because I think I learned a lot over there. I grew up, I think, more over there. Came back home with a new perspective on myself, saying, all right, who do I want to be? I think I was trash before I came over here. And now I'm on the road to being a respectable human being. Maybe I should stick with this. So I try. Sometimes I look back and think to myself, okay, well, you know how you conducted yourself in that particular situation? You need to do that now. Grow up. Be a man. Do selfless things. Think of others. Don't be so selfish. So, yes, travel, I think, does bring out the real you. You're either a real pain to travel with or you're a great person to travel with. Traveling is good. You get to see how other people live. You get to talk to them about their lives. You get to see the vast world around you and have some fun. And that's what we're all about, Bonfire. Learning and loving life at the same time. All right, final block coming up. We got some solid news for the Bonfire. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. The establishment doesn't play at the lesser of two evils. They don't play that game. If, if they're doing this, they have a plan in mind, and their plan is not President Cruz, and secretly would much rather have a President Hillary Clinton than a Ted Cruz. There is something going on here, and it is not a President Cruz. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. A little side note that I'm very happy to share with everybody listening, whoever may be listening, so thank you. The previous article that I was talking about, the Nat Geo, Four Ways That Long-Term Travel Can Change You for the Better. I found that article on my phone, Apple News. Now, for those of you who have an iPhone, if you're on your home screen and you swipe all the way to the left, you'll see kind of like notifications, recent contacts, things like that. You scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see some stories. That is the the Apple News engine, as it were, that's in your phone. So those four stories, eight stories, whatever shows up, that's from Apple News. And I actually start to, I frequently check that now, because it's just a quick, easy swipe to the left, and then I see four top stories that... I don't know, Apple thinks I would like to read. And sometimes they're pretty engaging. I'd say, oh, that looks interesting. And I click on it, and it takes me to the Apple News app, which every phone has. You can't delete it. (laughs) You have to have it. 
And then I just start reading an article. I was like, oh, that was easy. I don't have to open up my web browser. I don't have to download someone else's you know, website app. Sometimes they're fine. But I don't have to do that. I just use Apple News for general news of interest. I'm very happy to say that Bonfire Thoughts is now on Apple News. Woo! Yeah. So good news for those of you who do frequent the Bonfire website, bonfirethoughts.com. We are now successfully a official channel, a publisher on Apple News. Uh, Apple decided to kind of open it up to the general public a few weeks ago, a month ago. It was, I think, originally reserved for like CNN, New York Times, Fox News, you know, the big dogs. And I'm, I'm sure they had to pay for that. I don't know. But I believe the news was eh, it wasn't doing too well. People didn't take it too seriously. They just didn't care. They're like, Apple News, eh, it's okay. It just wasn't getting as much bang for its buck as they were hoping. So they're like, you know what? What if we open it up to everybody and kind of make it a place where people can publish besides major companies and publications? So great. That helps Bonfire. Bonfire is now on Apple News. So if you go to the Apple News app, on your phone, it's the little pink icon. Open that bad boy up. Click on the search button down at the bottom. Just type in Bonfire Thoughts. Should come up. And there you go. And uh, some of the articles will be from the Bonfire Thoughts website. Some, I think, will be originally written and published for Apple News. I'm still deciding. You know, I am the editor-in-chief of the blog, of the website. And we have uh, five other great writers I'm very lucky to have. And so hopefully there are more over time. And if you or someone who likes to write, then Bonfire, hey, we want your stuff. Go to thebonfirethoughts.com, click on the submissions tab, and see if you agree with the first two sentences that I put there saying, hey, if you have enough of politics and you'd like to talk about something else, send us your stuff. That's what we're about. Okay? No politics. Not here. Not ever. So, yes, a little bit of good news there. Apple News, you can now find, you can, you can now find let's speak English now, you can now find Bonfire Thoughts on Apple News. And I enjoy that because now, maybe one day, someone writes a crazy movie review, something just a really solid, meaty article on Bonfire, and you swipe to the left on your home screen, and all of a sudden you see a Bonfire article right there. That would be awesome. Get some major exposure and start spreading the Bonfire idea. God willing. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Bonfire podcast for another week. Um, whether I'm in your earbud or I'm in your car speaker or hell, I don't know, wherever else. I thank you. I thank you for taking this time to listen and I'm going to wrap it up now. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course the main website, bonfirethoughts.com. That is it. Andrew Herzog out. This is the bonfire on demand on the blaze radio network.